the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager and Julie Hartman. Or if you prefer, Julie Hartman and Dennis Prager. Who would prefer that, actually? It is called Dennis and Julie. By the way, I finally figured out there's a tiny, eensy, beansy, teensy part of you that resents that it's Dennis and Julie. Really? And I made that up. Oh. I completely, 100% made that up. You know, I made... There isn't even a TV, beansy, beansy. There's really not, and I make jokes about it, but I actually prefer the name Dennis and Julie. First of all, you should be first. You're the more established dude if you will. Um, and also, if you do it alphabetically, D comes before J. Yes. Oh, my God. And it just sounds better. That's a powerful argument. I have. <laughs> Dennis and Julie sounds way better than Julie and Dennis. Is that true? I think so. Maybe it's because I'm used to it. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, that was just a joke. Hi, everybody. It's great to be with you. I have a super serious thing to start with. So I'm going to preface what I'm about to start with, with a statement that I've actually, I made on my show, on my, on my radio show, yep. that there is a, an openness and a self-revealing in Dennis and Julie that even I, who very, very open and self-revealing generally publicly, uh, it just elicits aspects of me that are, I just don't come out naturally, as it were, on the radio show. Having said that, that is certainly true for you, but there's not much as a comparison, obviously, because mm-hmm. you're so young and new, and new. But this is an example of that, and I have no idea what you'll say. I have no idea. But I, I here's, the, here's my second preface. <laughs> I'm sorry. So when I met Julie, or I think it's, yes, when I met Julie, it is fair to say you were a secular individual. Oh, that is fair to say. Right. And, and you would have said that. Had I, though interestingly, and I don't want to get caught on this, but interestingly, you probably never thought of yourself as secular because it's not an issue that would have arisen. True. See, the. So this is worthy of a comment, and then I'll, I won't lose track. This is worthy of a comment. People who are religious know they're religious, but people who are secular do not think of themselves as secular. You know why? Because they think that's normal. So when you're normal, you don't think, oh, I'm normal. Mm-hmm. You, you, if you're sick, you think you're sick. If you have mental problems, you think you have mental problems, psychological problems. But if you don't, you know, you don't walk around. People don't generally walk around thinking, you know, I'm psychologically healthy. The nor the norm is secular, so you don't think of it. 
Is that fair? Absolutely. Also, religious people know about a secular life. Secular people do not know about a religious life. They don't know what they're missing out on. Religious people do. I mean, I don't think religious people are missing out when they choose to go away from a secular life. But they know what a secular life looks like. Well, there are secular people who have rejected the religion they grew up with. So they would say, oh, I know religious That life. is fair. And, that's and, fair. Uh, yeah, and I left it. But, but, but most now, today, most, that's, that's right, I especially, cl- especially your generation, yeah. it, would have been, it would have been much more likely that your parents, closer to my generation, mm-hmm. they rejected the religion, which is true in your case, correct? Yes, somewhat. They, they, they don't have well, didn't animosity. You ha- didn't you, no, no, it's not animosity. Rejection doesn't mean animosity. Okay, I want to make that clear, and I didn't even intend that. Right. But wasn't one of your grandparents a pastor? Yes, my paternal grandfather was and my my father was raised lutheran my mom was raised catholic and they both said that growing up they just had so much religion that they felt that it was too much for for instance actually when they got married <laughs> sorry to out my my family but there were some members of both sides of the family that didn't like that a lutheran was marrying a catholic and that the catholic was marrying the lutheran also, my mom talks about growing up. Yeah, I'll up. tell you who didn't like it. The Lutherans and the Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> That's who didn't like yep, it. Yeah, true. And th- those <laughs> yeah, two groups especially. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because Martin Luther. Right, Luther, for those right. Of all, of, reference, all the names, of all people, exactly. yes. Luther was the one that started pro- the Protestant break from the Catholic Church. Um, also, my mom talks growing up about going to church every week. And she made it sound like, and I believe her, that the sermons were really kind of fire and brimstone. Um, you're going to go to hell if you think bad thoughts, if you do X, Y, Z. She says that um, there was every Easter she had to sit for like five hours in, he- in here. And then the second nail was nailed to Christ. And he yelped out in pain. And blood came. She just said it was really gory and too intense. So they raised us in a secular household. But they don't hate God, they don't hate religion, but they just chose a, not to raise us that way. Well, you opened up another subject for me, and I will get back to what I originally wanted to ask you about on the secular issue, but this is really worthy of a few moments. So I realized at an early age what I was going to bring differently to the religious secular discussion. Mm-hmm. And I know you know this is true about me, but it's it's very important for me to say. So I am quite religious, but I don't wear it heavily. Mm. And it drove me crazy, whether it was Christian, Catholic, Catholics are Christian, so I always find that odd, but it doesn't matter, Protestant, Catholic, or Jewish. Most religious people, they sort of... Uh, smack you in the face with their religiosity. And it's not good for the religion. I don't think it's good for God. I don't think it's good for them. And it certainly isn't going to bring a lot of people into religion. Uh, 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 This, God, this is a perfect example of stuff that I've never said publicly. I mean, it's not a a revelatory thing, but there would never have been an occasion. I remember one of my first trips to Israel. I was about 20 years old. 
and I speak Hebrew fluently, so I was, you know, with with Israelis, and I remember I was, I was at uh, the the army headquarters in Tel Aviv. I don't know, some friend brought me there or whatever, and so these were all, all these soldiers were my age. They were also in their early twenties. Mm-hmm. So we were talking, and I'll never forget it was a, it was a, a, a female soldier, and we were talking. And so she, at one point, she said to me, Atadati, the issue of, I don't know how it came up, religion came up. And she said, are you religious? Now, in Israel, are you religious means are you orthodox? It doesn't really just mean religious. Are you an orthodox Jew? That, that's no. really what she was asking. So you will love this. So I had, I had two great answers. Whatever I'm put on the spot, I come up with better stuff. I had two great answers. I said, well, I don't know if I'm religious. I only know I'm not secular. How old were you? 20. Oh, that's right. That's a pretty amazing response. Oh, well. Period, but especially for a 20 year old. Right, right. Well, you could relate. That was a compliment. So uh, I I thought that was, she didn't know what to do with the answer because she had never heard anything like that, obviously. The other one was, so she said, so, and if you're religious, why aren't you wearing a kippah, a yarmulke, a skull cap? And I and had another answer for her. I said, because I don't think religion needs a uniform. Mm. So those were two uh, life-setting v- views that I had. And, I, and I'm not in any way putting down the Jews who wear a yarmulke all the time. My son does, and my grandchildren do, and they're terrific. Uh, I, I, I totally respect those who do that. Ben Shapiro does it. I right. You know how much I respect Ben. But anyway, that was the answer that I gave her. Because all of which is my way of saying that whether it was to a Jew or a non-Jew, I, I realized if I'm going to make the case for the centrality of God and the Bible and ought that they ought to be that in people's lives. I will, I won't do it in a heavy handed manner. So when your parents reacted against that, I get that. I get that too. And what's great about my parents is that they taught us Judeo-Christian values without probably well, maybe they realized they were Judeo-Christian values, but the infl- the great parts of their religious upbringing came through in, in our upbringing. For instance, I was always taught to respect my elders. I was always taught to honor my parents. Actually, I don't, I don't know if my parents explicitly said, you honor us, but clearly the Judeo-Christian values got through because I knew growing right. up I had to honor them. Well, okay, so forgive me. No, that's no, no. no. I heard we you, have time. I heard you inhale, so I know I'm interrupting. That, by the way, that's Dennis's trick on the radio with callers. Don't tell them. Oh, should, it, should we believe that? <laughs> no, no, that no. It's, I'm just oh. joking. You can tell. <laughs> no, them. but you told that to no, me when no, I no. guessed I, this I'm for you. Totally, it's brilliant. I, I, yes, it is. Because and, and you you love and respect your you know. You, oh, I love it. You that's will why keep I do people talk on radio. the air. That's why I take calls. But sometimes people can go on a little too long, right. and you so got to cut them, them off. To inhale. At the yes, that's inhale. Right. But but okay. So th- there there are so many uh, so many issues that are. Uh, being uh, flushed out, flushed out, if fleshed out, yeah. 
so this, the, yes. Was, that was a faux pas. It was. So he, here is what I, what I wanted to say. Your parents, and I don't, I don't know your parents well. I could only say that I have so enjoyed meeting them, and they obviously are your parents, so I adore them automatically. But uh, your parents represent vast numbers of people in the Western world who imbibed Judeo-Christian values but didn't keep them going in the name of Judeo-Christian values. Well said. That That is, by the way, that's what Americans did. Americans imbibed American, American values but didn't teach them as American values. Mm-hmm. So you end up losing them. If you don't give them a name, Absolutely. you lose them. Absolutely. I say that we are living on the dregs and fumes of Judeo-Christian values right now, but they're going to run out if we don't understand their origin and why they are important. Because it's like you said this in your in your Torah commentary, the cut flower ethics. Yeah. I use the example of a photocopy machine. So my parents were handed Judeo-Christian values. Let's just say they were written on a paper, although, of course, they're not, they're, they weren't. It, was an al- it's, it is an analogy. You photocopy it. The first time you photocopy something, it's going to look pretty much like the original. Let's mm. say that was me. That's good. I but, like that. But analogy. then if I don't continue it, right. you they photocopy get weaker and it weaker. dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and then you can't recognize where it originally came from. That's what we're seeing in yeah, the United the States. The photocopy is as good as the cut flower. I salute you. Can you explain? In fact, I will salute you. Oh, as I saluted a yeah, we guy on the road today with an American yes, flag. So I'll give you my theory on that later. I gave you my theory on my show, but it will yes. repeat it. Uh, so the cut flower, by the way, it's not mine. I, and I said it in my commentary. I don't know whose it was. Because the guy who I read it when I was your age said he had heard it. Oh. So it, it's not. It's clearly not new. Mm-hmm. But it is brilliant. So the cut flower ethic is very simple. If you cut flowers from their soil... If you know nothing about flowers, you can look at the flower and go, oh, look, it doesn't need the soil. It'll do fine without the soil. That's what people think about ethics. Oh, we cut them off from the religious soil. They're doing fine. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not doing fine. Clearly. So there were a few things you said, if you don't mind, I want to go back. Um, What a what a rich topic by the way, to state the obvious. Well, it started with you didn't know you were secular, but go on. Yes, which I, I want to get back to, too, and talk about my religious transformation. But the thing that you said about religion doesn't need a uniform, that intrigued me. I agree with you that shoving values at people in a really kind of um, aggressive way actually works against what you are trying to achieve. That was true of my parents. And that's true of some people who grow up in uber-religious communities that say, you know, you're, you're going to go to hell, you know, constantly reminding them of hell. Um, and so I agree about that. As far as the religious uniform, I, I also agree that religion doesn't need a uniform. I will say... Now that Judeo-Christian values are so under attack in the United States, I really appreciate when I see someone wearing a cross necklace or someone wearing a kippah because it's unpopular. And even in some cases, um, 
my the word that's coming to mind is criminalized. It's not criminalized, but the word I'm looking for is it will have adverse consequences for you, both in your professional and your personal life to reveal your religiosity. So I really appreciate those people who will wear the uniform, if you will, of their religion, because they are saying, I'm proud to be Christian. I'm proud to be Jewish. And I don't care that it's not in vogue. I have enough commitment to God to wear it proudly. Um, but the but again, the values thing is totally. Oh, so true. let me react then. Sure. So I I repeated those two responses that I gave to this woman soldier mm-hmm. uh, because I thought that they they illustrated what I wanted to do with my life: advance biblical values, God centeredness, without a heavy hand. And I still, I, I've tr- I think I've lived that my whole life. That's, by the way, why I didn't become a rabbi. I could have gotten rabbinic ordination because I learned as much as rabbis do. I learned, I probably learned more than most rabbis do. That's how you, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's really important. That is one of the main ways that you influenced me. You had me at the introduction of your Bible commentary, and I've said it before, but it's really important to emphasize. You wrote in the introduction, I'm not trying to make you a Christian. I'm not trying to make you Mm -hmm. a Jew. I'm trying to show you that these values are worth knowing about. You will live a better, happier, more principled life. And that approach was, was everything. Mm -hmm. I think I would have put down the book if I had read in my secular state, I want to convert you to, to XYZ religion. The doing it, it doesn't mean you sacrifice the, um, the push that you give for these values, but there's a difference between uh, advocating for them proudly and then doing it with a heavy hand. You don't do that. That's the reason I told you those two anecdotes. There's yes. anecdotal answers to the, to the young woman, but uh, I... I have sympathy for your statement about the uniform issue. I didn't think of it so much as a cross on the yarmulke, though that's a perfectly legitimate uh, response. And I want to talk about that for one moment in a moment. I was thinking more, uh, I I was rethinking, if you will, in terms of, let's say, a Catholic priest wearing his collar. I actually like to see now... I like to see priests uh, wearing their collar. Mm. When I I remember as a kid, I don't mean your age, I mean as a kid, in Brooklyn, New York, where I grew up, how often I saw nuns. I mean, it was common. Uh, really? In Brooklyn? Yes, in Brooklyn. Because of Brooklyn all, is, I know you yeah. think of it as, yeah, as, as secular, as well, Jewish, as... as if the, you're going to see anyone walking down the street, it's going to be Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn. That's what you think. That's what you right. think. But, but I lived in a, in a very mixed neighborhood. But in any event, I remember it vividly how, how often, and you almost never see someone in a nun's habit today. And True. I, 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 I think society was richer for it. To have so, I just want to make that clear. By the way, I felt this. Uh, you you would you would love this because you love you also love to travel. You you have not been to Thailand, correct? I have. So, do you remember seeing uh, young uh, young monks? Oh, you didn't see that. Okay, when I've been there, it was in orange, orange flowing robes like. I saw some, and I, I thought that it is a good thing. They they're reminders that there's something higher out there. So anyway, I wanted to say, despite what I said, I appreciate. I have a question now. 
which uh, I would love your friend Elsie to comment on. <laughs> so when I, I see a lot of people, more far more women than men, wearing a cross, either in the form of a crucifix as, as a Catholic or just the cross, uh, uh, more likely a Protestant. And by the way, my own reaction is, is virtually always positive. Because mm-hmm. I, I know that if, if if Christianity goes, the West goes. And I'm saying this as a religious Jew. Just one, I've been saying this my whole life. But I have an interesting uh, or important question. Maybe it's just interesting and not important. I don't know. Do most people wearing a cross, it's like, like a necklace, is it a good luck talisman or is it a statement of I affirm God, Christ, the Bible, its principles. What does it mean when the average person wearing a cross wears one? Elsie. For those who don't know who Elsie is, Elsie is my in the summer, but I feel like Elsie is a friend and stylist and everything. Elsie is a gift. She's just a gift. And I met her in college and um, in in the only conservative class. She wears a cross necklace. Well, well, she's a committed Christian. Yes. I I know that it comes with depth. So the the question is not why does Elsie wear one? The question is, for example, so uh, on on the internet, I will see... Daily Mail, uh, which I, I I go to, even though they've attacked me, I don't I don't oh, really they care. I, yeah, I, I just I still find them very interesting. So they have a whole bunch of sections: uh, UK, United Kingdom, United States, female politics, uh, entertainment, politics, entertainment, showbiz. So uh, on 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 the showbiz, which I look at because I I want to be slightly informed (laughs) about popular culture, somewhat informed. So it always cracks me up when there is a, uh, let's say, some young actress, uh, and she's in a bikini, and the Daily Mail loves showing that, and I have no objection, I'm a male, but uh, when they're wearing a cross. So I'm thinking... What, what, and, and I'm not, this is not an attack, by the way, at all. You mean the bikini wearers are also yes, wearing a cross? Yes, yes. So what, what does the cross mean to them? Okay, I, I will, I, I actually do want to hear Elsie's response because you know many Christians who wear crosses. So I want to know if, in your judgment, it's a good luck. You used a good word, not yeah, charm. talisman. Talisman, that was a the better word. Or an affirmation of the values. I will say, though, because I know a lot of secular people who wear crosses, but they're not um, they're not subdued religious cross. Like, you'll never see Christ depicted on the cross. Well, that you see among Catholics. That is not a Protestant thing to do. I that's didn't why. didn't know that. Yes, that's wow, right. Wow, that's yes. really interesting. Okay, well. Right, so here's this Jew telling the daughter of a Lutheran and a Catholic who wears what cross. Well. You'll probably, you have a lot to tell me about Christianity that I don't know. Uh, by the way, I want Dennis to write a New Testament commentary in addition to the Torah commentary. I think it would be amazing. Um, I know a lot of secular people who wear crosses, and they do it because it's it's like a weird act of defiance, actually, and it's part of like a trendy goth outfit. For instance, and Sean can look this up and maybe put up a picture, Courtney Kardashian 
who do you know who that yes okay. that's why i look at the showbiz page <laughs> yes okay she recently she got married about a year ago to this chloe s- is the sister well done I and name one more oh, name God. one more oh, oh come there, on the most there's famous a third? there's 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 three more there are five yeah, there are five. Okay, I'm, Kim. Pr- I'm proud. I Kim. know too. Kim, Kim. Courtney, yeah, Chloe, Kim. That's right. Kylie, yeah. Kendall. Anyway, okay. I don't watch. Wink, wink. Um, Courtney Kardashian recently got married to this uber tattooed uh, weirdo. I think <laughs> Travis Barker. They had a wedding in Italy, and she wore the shortest wedding gown I've ever seen in my life. Like, like you could see her derriere. Big, big, you know, boob showing. And she wore this huge cross and her veil was um, stitched a depiction of Mother Mary. That is totally what I'm talking about. I see so many secular... Look up Megan Fox. I'm sure Megan Fox has... They wear these big, gaudy crosses. And I think it's this weird, like, I look slutty or I look goth and I'm wearing a cross. I'm defiant. Defiant of whom? I think it's... I think it's their... That they're mixing a religious symbol with something, an, a look that is so a-religious. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think they like that well, vibe. All right, I don't get but, it. So, but e- they like you know, it. let's not even. I gave an extreme example with the bikini and the cross, which, by the way, is not. I don't think the bikini is anti-cross. I don't. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a very normal thing for women to wear at the beach. But I, I so maybe it wasn't even the best example. It just. Is what came to you. mind. The just the average person wearing a cross. What does it mean? That's all I'm asking. It's not. There's no challenge. There's no agenda. Does it again? Does what about it, a Jewish star? I have. I have. Friends okay, who so are I know. Uh, no, I'll tell you the Jewish star, which I I don't happen to wear. I don't happen to wear anything. Uh, uh, but I, I, the Jewish star is is not a religious symbol. It is a, remember, this confuses non-Jews tremendously. Jews are both a people, even a nation, and a religion. Yep. The, the Jewish star is the symbol of the nation, or even, if you will, ethnicity, though Jews are not an ethnicity because they're Jews of every ethnic group. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I just want to make things clear. So the Jewish star, an atheist Jew could wear a Jewish star. I know it sounds odd because there's no such thing as an atheist Christian. Because if you're an atheist, you can't be a Christian. Yep. But if you're an atheist, you can be a Jew just like you could be an American if you're an atheist because it's a people. It's a nation. So the the Jew wearing the Jewish star is I identify with the Jewish people or even I identify with Israel. But it is not I am religious. But it's nevertheless a mark of identifying with something. It's not a good luck talisman. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed have always had Dennis's back. 
Nick's been in this industry for over 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Dennis's friend Nick Grovich and his team at AmFedCoin in Bullion. 1-800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. What is not? I'm sorry. Sean the, had said something. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. The the um, the star of David is is. I'm saying it is. Oh, not it's not a good a, law. Okay, so it, since I raised the issue and you're re-raising it, there is a sort of good luck talisman, uh, more like the, it's just very technical, but you you raised it and I'm commenting on it. So there's there is a. There are so many Jewish symbols, so to speak, whereas there's one, really, one Christian symbol, the cross. Either Christ is on it or, or, or he's not, but it's still the cross. So uh, there is another one. It's chai. It, it, it's the two, it's two letters in Hebrew. Hebrew letters are, are numerical equivalents. So, for example, Aleph, the first letter is one. Bet, alpha, beta comes the same right. thing. Alpha, bet comes from Hebrew and Greek. I don't know which came first. So bet is two, gimel is three, and so on. Then you get to ten. The tenth letter is ten, but the eleventh letter is twenty. The twelfth letter is thirty, until you get to four hundred and you've exhausted the alphabet. So when you put the eighth letter and the tenth letter together, you get eighteen. Which is... Which also means the Hebrew word for life. Right. So that's more of a good luck talisman. Elsie, would you say that most who wear a cross are affirming Christian values and the at least, at least some aspect of it? It's I not it's okay. I would, from my she it, doesn't think it's you. You don't think it's good luck uh, because I don't. We're think, asking her because she's a committed Christian. My understanding is that a lot of Christianity doesn't. I'm not saying Jew- Judaism has a tolerance for this, but I think Christianity especially does not have a tolerance for like good luck charms. Mm-hmm. That's at least from my it's viewed as sacrilegious, which I get. I kind of well, get. Well, I, I a find, good luck charm okay. is kind of pagan, and I'm not. I'm well, not, it, 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 I have a slight more tolerance for. I don't happen to believe in any of that stuff, but I have. A, I think I have a slight more tolerance. Or, or well, let's put it this way. I don't know the answer. I think Elsie may be right. I think she may be speaking for herself and the Christians she knows. My suspicion is that uh, if I'm in an Uber and the guy has a cross hanging from uh, the, the rear view mirror, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's more of I'll be protected. But protection is different from good luck. Well, how is it different? I think protection is even if something bad happens to me, I am protected by my belief in God that I can overcome that bad luck or that bad fortune because I have the armor of Christ. Good luck charm is kind of like if I have this next to me, good things will come to me. I'll win the lottery ticket today. I'll no, meet my husband okay. today, etc. Uh, interesting. Well, I didn't quite follow number one. Okay. Okay, so uh, why don't you react to the way I, I, and I may be wrong. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm raising it as an agenda-free question. 
because I, I don't care what the answer is. Okay. I'm just curious. When when you see that, I I think of it as I will be protected from a hit-and-run driver, from a drunk driver. It's in my car, and I'll be protected from calamity. You don't see that. I don't see that. And look, obviously, we're speculating. Some people could very well have the cross in, in their car for that reason. My understanding is that it's it's a reminder of your faith. It's a reminder to, in all of your dealings in life, follow what your God would want you to do. But I think it's also a mark of protection, but not in that you can change faith, fate Excuse me, for a better outcome. It's that no matter what happens to you, I've you have Christ right there okay. to help you get through all it. Right, so I'll tell you why I think the way I do. This is based on... A lifetime, as you know, well, uh, which is a long time, of reading religion and 40 years of talking with, not just two, Christians. I th- a, a lot of Christians, I mean a lot, believe that faith and prayer are protectors. And they will cite even Old Testament statements about God being my shield in in Psalms, for example, or whatever. And I don't have that belief at all. I do not believe that God will protect me from calamity. If I might, I don't, and again, to, to make it clear, I'm speculating, we would have to ask average Christians. I don't think that the the protection aspect is understood to mean that bad things will not happen to you. Oh, I'll tell you why I, I think it. Forgive me. I, no, I, please. I, I know I'm interrupting, but That's this is right. so important. Otherwise, I'll forget, and the, I have to react to that point. The number of people, I'll, I'll give you my proof text, and I may be wrong, but these are these is not hunches. This is based on a lot of interaction with people, including Jews, by the way. A lot of religious Jews have a very similar thing. I'll tell you an anecdote in a moment. Uh, and, and that is, they, why, do, why do people say, uh, my, my child died of cancer or, or, or something to, some terrible thing like that, and I've lost all faith in God? It can only be because they assumed before then that God will protect them from a child having cancer. I don't have any such belief, and I am deeply God-centered. I don't think it's that. I think... Well, why I, do you lose faith? If, if you don't believe God will protect you from calamity, why do you lose faith if you have a calamity? Look, I hear your point that there must be some subconscious um, belief that you will be certain things will not happen to you. And that may be contributing to why people lose their faith. If this makes any sense, I think it's just that people underestimate the devastation that they will feel when that happens. And I think it's it sends someone to such a low place. Not that they expected things to go their way, but they so didn't expect feeling so... Which, Awful. which they could not have imagined is what you're saying. Yes. That's a very profound statement, actually, on your part. I, I, I respect that. 
So let me tell you my anecdote to show you that this is not, in my view, purely Christian. I spoke at an Orthodox synagogue in London many years ago. At the end of the talk, a man got up and he said, so Mr. Prager, I would just like your take on this. How do you explain a pious religious Jew getting uh, getting cancer at the age of 45? And I remember thinking, I can't believe the guy's asking the question. So I actually, because I'm so open with people, and that's the way I've learned a Mm -hmm. lot. I said, "Um, ladies and gentlemen, please raise your hand. If you think that if you pray daily, keep kosher, observe the Sabbath, uh, and, 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 and follow the Torah as meticulously as you can, that that should, that should protect you from cancer. Half the congregation's hands went up. Mm. And I believe if I said in, 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 in an uh, equivalently religious Christian or Catholic church, raise your hand if you believe that if, if you are fully committed to Christ, you, are, you're, you're, you study the Bible, you, you live a truly Christ-centered life, that, and that that will protect you from calamity, I think half the half the hands would go up too. Do you disagree with that? Do you think most hands would not go up? I think many hands would go up, but okay. It's not biblical. Yes, it's right. Not biblical. Oh, okay. Let, no, let's re- repeat what she said. She said, "I think many hands would go up, but it's not biblical." Uh, uh, Absolutely, yeah, it's not that's biblical. My, okay. People are tested in a right. tragedy before them all the time uh, in the Bible. Right. So wait, wait. So so aside from that, I know that. That's why I was blown away as a religious Jew that a religious Jew could say that. So, it, because it isn't biblical. That's my whole point. Right. But they think it's biblical. Uh, uh, God is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, he, he is my rock and my redeemer. I mean, they, they, could, they could cite all, all the time, God answers those who cry out to him. I mean, they, these are from the Bible. Uh, but it's right, not. But it's not the same. It, I don't believe it means it'll protect you from calamity. It doesn't. It it doesn't. But you know. So wait, wait. So that goes back to my cross. That's why I made the point about the cross. Mm-hmm. That's not biblical. Elsie's answer. That's why I said Elsie is answering it as a knowledgeable, intelligent, or uh, they're they're intelligent too, intellectual, Christian, and I'm answering it as a knowledgeable, intellectual Jew. Mm-hmm. But most religion is popular, not intellectual. Okay, one of the things I love about this show, and it's kind of crazy, is that you often read my mind, <laughs> or you will talk about things that I have been reflecting on myself. It shows that we we contemplate similar things. I don't know what why, over the past few weeks, I've been having this recurring thought that is Julie – Something tragic is going to happen to you in your life. It's, it's not like a premonition that I've been having. It's just it's just an intellectual acknowledgement that everyone has tragedy befall them. I've had tragedy befall me in my life. I haven't had a, a pain-free life, as you and, and the viewers know. I've had a wonderful life, but that doesn't mean it's been pain-free. But I know I'm 23 years old, and at... God willing, I'll live a long time and I will have something really sad and shocking have to me. I hope not, but I don't think it escapes anyone. And I have been saying to myself, 
are you going to lose your faith if that when if and when that happens to you and i've been going through these scenarios what could happen to me and I wouldn't lose my faith. And I, I hate even putting it out into the universe, which I guess is kind of a voodoo or sacrilegious thing to, to say, but it shows everyone has a bit of superstition. I don't even like saying it. But if my parent, one of my parents, was hit by a car tomorrow, dear Lord, please don't let that happen. Would I lose faith? I might. I might. I might get really angry at God. I go, I... I have committed my life to you. I'm a good person. I believed in you. And my parent gets hit by a bus. Screw you. Okay. So I'm and gonna, being intellectually I'm, uh, honest. All right. So I'm going to really shake you up. Okay. And I hope I shake you up because I don't want you to lose your faith, whatever happens. Okay. So here, I will give you another anecdote from my rich anecdotal life woman called my radio show decades ago, said, Dennis, just want you to know, I now agree with you about capital punishment for murder. Because I've, I've always been for capital punishment, and I still am. I think it's, it's the, the height of injustice to allow every single murderer to live. Some should be allowed, but every single one, no. Anyway, so I said to her, the obvious, well, why have you changed your mind? He said, well, I was always against capital punishment. And then my brother was brutally murdered while standing in a phone booth. So this is obviously decades ago. Mm-hmm. So you and anyone watching or listening to this might be actually disappointed in me because I, I didn't stop my reaction with, oh, my heart goes out to you. Of course I said that, and my heart did go out to her. To have a loved one murdered is, is beyond description. After I said that, I didn't keep quiet. I said, I just need to say to you, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact words, but essentially I said, so I'm curious. When everybody else's brother was murdered, you were okay with keeping the murderers alive? Now you're not? She didn't argue, and I wasn't there to hurt her feelings, obviously. But that is what people do. So your question, is this woman prior to the event? Well, if, God forbid, my parents, whom I so love, I'm speaking Julie, uh, get killed by a hit-and-run driver, a drunk driver, I, I think I might lose my faith. So, in other words, when everybody else's beloved parent dies, you're totally right. That's God exists. No, you're but totally if my right. parent dies, I know I'm totally right. Uh, believe me, I know it. I, <laughs> but I want you to to imbibe the rightness into your consciousness now. That's why I say I don't. One of the ways I protect my faith is I have no expectations of God's intervention here. Mm. Look, I agree with you, and I endeavor to be the best person possible, and i that's why I'm thinking about this now. I'm, I'm, I want to sort it out now before, God forbid, it happens, so that if and when it does happen, I have a principled reaction to it. You have to answer the question now, how did God allow all these other terrific Absolutely, parents right. and children to get killed? You're right. 
I'm just saying as a human being, I am I am admitting a very human <laughs> thought I have, which is if it right, happened but, uh, to me, you, you want to protect of course, your faith. That's why I'm bringing it up. That's why you know I'm 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 trying to bring up the, these thoughts that I've been having in an effort to a help myself and also help a lot of other people who I think are going who might think the same way. Um, it's it's maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit though. I think I would really struggle with my faith and I wouldn't be embarrassed about that at all. I think if it's, it's a human, I mean, do you, well, let me pause for a minute. If something really awful, God forbid happened to your wife, would your, would your faith be shaken? No. Really? Not even one bit. If so, if something happened horrible to me, I don't think it would be. Mm. Well, you're very strong. I'm developing the strength. No, it's not, I don't think it's because Strong in your faith. No, I'm strong in in my rationality. That's the irony. That is why when I, people think, I think people think, they know I'm not lying to them, but I I don't think they take me seriously when I say that reason is my vehicle to God and why I called my commentary the rational Bible. God gave us reason. He didn't give animals reason. So animals don't believe in God. Only we can. And we we can because of reason. Uh, God, unless God reveals Himself like like to to Paul on the road to Damascus or or Moses at the burning bush, and He hasn't revealed Himself in that way to me, nor do I even imagine it. So, I I use reason. It is not that I have strong faith. It is that reason tells me I am not immune because I am a good guy to tragedy. Mm-hmm. All the good guys who lived before me who had awful things happen to them are living proof of that. How I don't understand that I, I I understand it emotionally but not intellectually. If a bad thing happens to your loved one, oh there's no God. But everybody else's loved one, a hundred million slaughtered uh, by the communists in the twentieth century, oh of course there's a God. It's but good, my really parent is hit by a hut and run driver. There is no God. I, I I don't have respect for that view. That means that your God was emotional to begin with. It, there, there was no intellectual basis. That's why I believe that most crosses are protection, and not not hmm. when parent people wearing crosses. That was our original question. I. That is why I don't believe it comes with this very strong understanding of Bible. As as Elsie put it, I don't think most religious people have biblical views of their religion. Mm-hmm. They have emotional views, and they have a scattered smattering of verses from the Bible. Look, these Orthodox Jews had a non-Jewish view. There is no Jewish view that if you pray three times a day, as Orthodox Jews do, you won't get cancer. The idea is preposterous. Preposterous. And I'm not saying it to hurt their feelings. I'm saying it so that they'll have a religion that is worthy of intellectual respect. Mm-hmm. Six million Jews, most many of whom prayed three times a day, were gassed. Right. Mic drop. <laughs> I mean, well said. You're right. What I was going to say a few moments ago is that I think I'm not giving myself enough credit because if something happened to my parents tomorrow, my what I was saying was my faith would be shaken and I wouldn't be embarrassed about that because I'm a human being. 
and how could your faith not be at least a little shaken when, when something like that happens? But, and I've really thought this through, I think I would also understand that as awful as it is, part of the price of free will is that a drunk driver may get in his car and hit your parents. Part of the price, God gave us... Well, that's my, that's right. Right. That's, that's, what, right. that's what you said. God... Get the the blessing of free will is we see it every day. We can we we have control over ourselves, what we do with our lives, etc. But all we're not we're not robots. But a downside of free will is that there is a potential of tragedy. So I think I would understand that and keep my faith. But it would be really it would be hard. And what I'm trying to do now, and you've <laughs> thank you, you've helped me in this episode, is try to. Um, try to even more not let myself lose my faith when something like that happens because you're right when it happens to other people yeah that blows my mind it's of course someone like me or many others don't see it as selfish or see it you know it's just totally you're guided by emotion but it is selfish that's why i gave the example of the woman with capital punishment all these other people are murdered oh keep the murderer alive my brother was murdered he should drop dead. Look, you just as a – it's a um, thing that all of us as human beings need to work on. You just you just assume it won't happen to you. Well, I never assume that. Well, you don't because you're Dennis, but a lot no, of people I do. No, I don't because I'm rational and I don't because a Buddhist taught me not to. I, got, I give him credit. Right, but and you're I'm not rational a and a Buddhist taught you not to. I'm saying a lot of people aren't rational and a Buddhist. Right, but. They've y- never met a Buddhist. You're, you're right. Okay, so they should read my happiness book and the chapter on expectations. It's the, it's, there are two chapters that change people's lives. The, the, I hope they all do, but I know that two do. Don't have expectations uh, because if you do, you won't have gratitude and you'll be disappointed. And, and the other is that it's a moral obligation to be happy. Those mm-hmm. are the two parts of my book that really affect people the most. I know from feedback. Look, I'll I'll say this, and I hope it it makes sense. I think when sometimes it's difficult to understand why God has to go as far as He goes. For instance, if someone got this is not going to be the best. Bear, bear with me. I think it will end up being a good point if I can get there. If there's already so much evil and tragedy in the world, but then there are some things that happen that are just so, so bad that it seems like, okay, God, I get why you needed to kind of sprinkle in some e- or allow for the existence of evil. But why that much evil? Oh, I agree with you. Know, you know, that, that's, I, I, I that's have, where people's faith gets an, shaken. Okay, no, that's an argument. Okay, so my view of that is that's an argument with God. It is not a refutation of God. Fair enough, but I'm saying... But it is a legitimate argument. By the way, I, just for the record, and I've written, I wrote this in my book of essays, Think a Second Time, about 25 years ago, and I wrote it earlier than that. My... I do pay a price for my views. Yep. And I'll tell you the price. It's hard for me to love God. Like, okay, I'll so get... if you if I have no expectations of him, it's hard to love him. Mhm. I'll give an example. Murder is is awful enough to awful is an understatement. 
Think about people who like get tortured and they have a slow death. That's right. You know, I mean, I, I want to say to God, okay, I get allowing the existence of murder as much as right. I hate it, but do you really have to allow the existence of people being put in torture right. tra- chambers yes. and branded uh, and suffocated I, I, I and hun- having their limbs cut I, off? I, I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, like, why isn't there a shutoff mechanism? Yes. With evil. By the way, maybe we, there is. Well, maybe there is no, that we don't know. You no, know, I don't. It's hard to. Imagine. It is. Hard, of course, it's hard I to mean, imagine. Th- but it seems unlimited. The amount. I mean, the the sadism in in, in human beings is is quite remarkable. That's where I sort of understand. Like, okay, <laughs> we're really getting into it here. If my if a parent, God forbid, were hit by a drunk driver tomorrow, I think I could handle it with God. If my parent were kidnapped and tortured over a month and we couldn't find that and it was just this awful, prolonged, gory death, I think I think I would have a problem with God. Well, does, that make, does that difference make sense? Well, yes, of course it does. I agreed with you originally on that difference. But you know that that's happened to other fine human yep, beings. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what – you're very rational. What, what do you do with that? Well, I, I... How do you believe in God with all these people that were tortured to death? I struggle with it. I mean, the other day... Okay, they're... struggle is fine. That's what Israel means, struggle with God. Right. Struggle is not give up faith. By the way, I'm speaking in a hypothetical situation. I may not give up faith if my parent no, for a month were tortured. No, I know that, tortured. but, but uh, it's fine. Neither of us is arguing whether you would or wouldn't. Uh, I'm only saying that one is... I think everyone should refine their theology prior to catastrophe. I agree. I mean, I, I, there was a story. And I still think that most people wearing a cross are doing it to be protected. Okay. A, a note on that. I agree with you that some people think that they will be protected. I'm not. I disagree with you on the minute point that I, I don't think the cross itself is like a good luck charm. Does that make sense? I don't think no, this. I don't that's think that's what the, it means. And I'm not saying it disparagingly, and I said it of both faiths. Uh, this is not. But I don't I mean, think when people I, I, have a and cross, I, and I, I'm glad that they're wearing it. To be honest, I think there is a a side of people's thinking that they expect that bad things won't happen to them. But when they have a physical cross in their car, I am not convinced that they think the presence of that physical cross will preclude them from harm. I think they they put that cross in their car to remind themselves of their faith and that if tragedy befalls them, they can get through it. Do okay. you see the difference? Yeah. I, okay. you, uh, clearly. Well, Look, given the fact that we all acknowledge that those who have a rabbit's foot hanging from their rearview mirror, it is it is a good luck charm. Mm-hmm. On my pillow's twentieth year anniversary, with over eighty million my pillows sold, Mike Lindell at my pillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in the history of my pillows. You'll receive a queen size my pillow for nineteen ninety eight regular price. and it's just $10 more for a king size. You'll receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their amazing products you've had your eye on. So go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio slash 
podcast square and use the promo code Hartman to receive this amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for 19.98 or call 800-566-6745 this offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money back guarantee it's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve go to mypillow.com use the promo code hartman h a r t m a n or call 800 800- Five five six sixty seven forty five today. The very fact that it's hanging from the same place good luck charms hang suggests to me as well that that it plays that role. I'm not. I'm not mocking these people. Of course not. No. I just want to make that I'm, I, clear over and over. And I and I I, I much rather there have that than nothing. <laughs> so. Sorry to depress everyone, but just to prove to you that I am slash strive to be consistent. There was a story I read about two weeks ago that really shook me up like no other story has in a, in a long time. And it happened in Boston in the Ellen McCormick projects in South Boston where Whitey Bulger, of all people, that infamous uh, mm-hmm. number one on the FBI's most wanted list grew up. Um. There were people in this apartment building who reported an awful stench. They called the police. Of course, the police took several days to come. They searched around the apartments in the building, and they found one apartment where there was a dead body in the apartment. There were sex toys everywhere. There were used condoms everywhere. There were needles everywhere. And ready for this? There were four men dressed up as women and in a back room of the apartment there were four five-year-old boys this just happened this just happened yes it's a horrific horrific so i want to prove to you that i strive to be consistent when i read that story i i actually I, i actually think that is the story that launched me on this thought process because i thought how again i i can understand murder i can understand getting hit by a drunk driver I may struggle with it, but I can understand those things. I can't understand a God allowing evil to go that far. You know? So that would, that shook, seeing it for other people shook my faith. And then I thought if it happened to me, it would probably doubly shake my faith because it happened to me. I just read a book by a Chabad rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi who happens to be uh, actually a local, a very thoughtful book about uh, human suffering. I'm going to have him on the radio. And I don't agree with him, but it doesn't matter. To, to me, virtually any, any theology of human suffering is commendable. I mean, if, it, if it works for you. So his is God wills everything that happens. That's mm-hmm. basically his view, and I don't, I don't, I don't have that view. On the other hand, it's not a stupid view. Uh, maybe that's a. It's, it's not. It's it's not a superficial view. Right. Stupid is not the, the word. It's obviously not stupid. Uh, and I'll give you the the way my my father, who was a very God centered man, not just religious, he was. He spoke to God every night. My father was the prager who loved God. 
And uh, his view was, on at the Shabbat meal, when all this talk would take place, you're, you're well aware how true that is, hours and hours every Friday night. So he would often speak about big subjects and little subjects and anything that he thought about. So his view on the Holocaust was it is inconceivable to him that God merely watched. It had to be part of a divine plan. Mm. And I do believe God watched. But I, I don't believe my father's view was silly. I mean, because he, 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 you could just as easily say Dennis's view is silly. God, who, who was described in, in the Bible as of in, in infinite uh, mercy and justice, w- watched the Holocaust. I, I understand that view. But it's arguably worse to think that he willed it. Uh, I'd rather, well, and by the way, there's what I would rather, and then what? No, I, think... I don't know what you'd rather. Go ahead, you'd rather oh, what? Now, now I'm going to get myself into trouble. Well, no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I'm it's just... a very tough question. What we would rather? Uh, I, I would rather a God who watched, who watched, yes. than a God who actively yeah, uh, sought uh, that. Really? From, uh, uh, to I'm, I must say, uh, I used to think that way. So here's a challenge: you're you are you are a Jew uh, uh, marched into the gas chamber. Would you prefer to believe God is watching or God in his infinite w- wisdom that we don't understand had a plan that this happened? I would rather the, the latter, but I think, the, I think the qualifying thing is that he, he allowed it to happen in his infinite wisdom, knowing that eventually in whatever thing yeah, we can't well, right. understand, it would end up being good. Right. Well, okay. End up being good, I have a oh, big problem with. But <laughs> end, end up, up end up that God will do justice for both. Yes. The, yeah, that I do. My sanity rests on the hereafter. Well, expecting that God will deliver justice is different than God willing that to happen in his infinite wisdom. It is. Wisdom. I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, uh, all I asked you was, we think that we know what we would prefer to believe. God watched or God willed. Both sides have a very powerful emotional preference. You asked emotionally, not intellectually. I don't know what I prefer. I, if I'm marched into the gas chamber and and I think, you know, what, what crappy luck I had to live during the Nazi era versus Dennis... God has this plan for you. There's a reason you are entering the gas chamber. But even in the first one, there's a reason. It's not that God is putting his feet up and watching, going, oh, well. It's that God gave us... He is going, oh, well. Well, it's it's that God gave us free will. And the downside, as I said earlier, of free will, and it's a massive, colossal downside, is allowing the existence of evil. But that's, that's not without purpose. You're saying the second one, there's a purpose. There's a, you know, there's a divine plan for you. There's a reason. I think the first one, there's a reason. It's just a different reason. Well, it's not a reason vis-a-vis the individual. It's a reason vis-a-vis all of humanity. But also vis-a-vis the individual. I don't see that. Why did he pick out Joe Cohen to walk into a gas chamber 
but Bill Cohen got saved. I see what you're saying. I mean that That's all of us, it, it's it, part look, of living. I, you, know, you don't even, look, I always find fascinating if they're, you know, on the rare occasions of an airplane crash, and even rarer that anybody survived. And sometimes you have one or two people survived, and they almost always say, well, God had a plan for me. And I, I don't know if I would say that, because what, God didn't have a plan for the 116 who did die? Well, no, maybe he did, okay, but in just so, in right. a different way that we cannot right. understand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but the, the person who was saved is implying that God wanted me to live. Right. But, yeah, but, I, but he didn't want them to live? Maybe not, in a way okay, that we don't, right. that right. we don't okay. understand. Did you ever read The Bridge of, of San Luis Rey? Are you familiar with no, that? No, but you know I'm a reader, so I'll read oh, it. Oh, no, what, you'll what read it, it in one night. <laughs> it is about this question. I think it's Thornton Wilder, but I'm not absolutely certain. It's one of the few novels I actually did read, and, and mm-hmm. it's a classic. It's about that. Why, why did all these people die on this bridge that fell? Oh, yes. It, it's Well, okay. Oh, gosh. I have so much to say about this. But first, before I forget, I want to make what I think is a really important point and something that I, as I'm laying the foundations, building the structure of my religiosity, what I'm trying to incorporate... We tend to blame God for things that we should first blame man for. For instance, and I'm not saying it's wrong to want to blame God, but when I had that reaction to the... um, The four kids. The four kids. Of course, I'm angry at those people. But but my what occupied my thought was God. I agree. I'm with you. What totally. should occupy my thoughts are no, no. Uh, you're right. Look, those people, uh, uh, I, and they do. Of course, they one do. One doesn't preclude the other. One doesn't preclude the other. Why but... I believe? Why did you create a creature that could be that horrible? Why didn't you create? I mean, they may be stupid questions, but I admit I ask them. Why? Why did you make it possible for that creature? We, you, you, Julie, and I understand evil. You, you know. Murder, bank robbery, but torturing children uh, for a lark, for a sexual thrill. Ha- what what is it that you have put into in people? this drug dead body? Yes, and, I mean, right, the whole yes. so, oh, oh, layers and layers and layers so and layers of evil. You, you can you can be you can be annoyed with both the human and the and the creator. Look, Isaiah forty five seven. It's one of the only verses I know by by, <laughs> by numbers. I'm like, wow. Yes. Well, I admit it's one of the few. I created good and evil. And and people are annoyed. The rabbis who who you know, two thousand years ago who made up the Jewish prayer book, they they actually changed Isaiah's words because it was too difficult for them to put in the liturgy of Jewish prayer, because most Jewish prayer is biblical citations. And so they, they said, who makes peace and created everything. They didn't say created evil, created everything. They changed Isaiah's words because it was too painful to think God created good and evil. But he did. So, so do Christians believe that, um, that God created the devil? I don't know there I don't know the answer. 
Well, I mean, everything that exists, God created. They, right. They, you can't have existence without God. I mean, the snake God. in the... Uh, he, he, it's well, said the, so, in Genesis, right, yeah, well, he created well, all the living right, things well, on Earth. Well, all right. It's just a Christian belief that the snake is the devil. I, 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 it's not the Jewish right, belief. But. Right, But I'm saying, I'm asking, do Christians... Because Jews believe that God created good and evil. Christian... Because there's no devil in Judaism, right? Right, right. Christians believe that there's a devil. So my sincere earnest it's not said in any other way so my sincere earnest question my, on my next dialogue which i do often june christian dialogue i'll ask that question By well the we way, have a lot of christian listeners so i have no doubt that people yeah will write no that, that's a good point tell them where to write by the way julie at julie-hartman.com our listeners i'm going to brag for a moment for uh, on for us really more than anything else we attract really smart listeners our list i mean Oh my God! The things that people write to me, the wisdom that they provide is is uh, unbelievable. Well, you should know a motto. I I know it, but say it. I no no say it. Okay. Well, I want to make sure I get it right. Don't underestimate their intelligence, but don't overestimate their knowledge. That's right. That has been my attitude for forty years of broadcasting. There are a lot of smart people out there. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And that is why I I say this with absolute sincerity. I knowing that is why I also believe college makes many people stupider. I think that a lot of people think more clearly before entering college than when they leave college. Wasn't the case with me. But I am to total. Ex- I I agree with you. I agree. I I got really lucky, stumbling across your work among other things. So the uh, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give because it's so. It sounds so odd. I'll just give. We should talk about that another Dennis and Julie thing. What does college make you stupider? Uh, the uh, oh, but no I'll tell doubt. you one. I'll tell you one. One of my one of my uh, proof texts, as it were. You're taught you can't think for yourself. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is ask, where are the studies? Yes. <laughs> so all of a sudden, for the first time in human history, studies show that there are more than two sexes, and people believe it. Mm-hmm. Where were all the studies before? That's why, and, and I hate it because... Even studies that I think are well done, I, I hesitate to cite studies on my show or when I guest host for you because no one with good reason believes them anymore. At least – With good reason. I – when someone it, – well, it, it's actually kind of a blessing and a curse. It's a curse in that there are some really good studies that aren't believed because we live in the study world. But it's actually a win for people like – or for you and for me and and – the Prager line of thinking, because you have this great, great motto, which is that if it doesn't accord with common sense, it's probably not true. Mm-hmm. And now if you strip away the, the studies argument, you have to just argue on common sense. Yeah. but that's, And I that's, like that. And that's what's shattered at college. But I, I don't want to continue on that because this has been so rich. Do we not? The, do we have religious. more time? I don't know. Sean, what's our that's time factor? Sean is Sean is eating We do dinner. have more time. We do. What, what is what? How much is the time thus far, Sean? Okay, so we have a few more minutes. Yes. 
you know, I'm debating whether to ask these questions because it's going to lead into right, a well, big discussion. But we can we can we, pick we it can up. We can defer it or, or right, try it right. now. Yeah. Um, okay. I encountered this thinker in college through my cl- class taught by like the one and only conservative professor, and. Actually, Alan Astrin cites this thinker a lot, too. William Gottfried Leibniz, who in 1710 wrote this book, Theodicy, which was dealing with the question, sounds similar to the Bridge book. There was this earthquake, I think actually a few... Portugal? Yep. yep. The, the, in Li- Lisbon, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a few centuries earlier where just people were in church and this earthquake happened and then they all died. And so Leibniz asked the question, why basically the, the subject today. Why does God allow this to happen? And he have, has this answer where he says, God creates, God elected to create, okay, if you go on the assumption that God is a good God, you have to, what then follows is that God created the best world possible. Yeah, that's right. In other words, there are some things that yeah. we, that our human minds cannot mm-hmm. understand, but like, they're kind of all like puzzle pieces that fit together. And maybe the existence of such brutal evil is what I cited with that Boston story allows for the existence of such a great amount of good and meaning that we see. I don't know. I'm not claiming to know. The whole point is that we don't know. But what Leibniz basically argued is that think about a chocolate chip cookie. He didn't say this. He didn't say chocolate chip cookie, but I'm saying it. If you take chocolate out of the chocolate chip cookie it's no longer a chocolate chip cookie you you all of the ingredients are necessary to make that what it is and that's what he's saying about the world yeah, that we know right. now. that's his theory and he anyway made, i think that's he's been... made the most perfect world he could or right. no not he could the mo- that could be that that's leibniz's view it's, a, it's you're right dif- it's difficult to uh to believe but if you don't believe it then you have to believe God knowingly made an imperfect world. That seems odd too. Well, he did. He he did know. No, it. no, no. He made a world where bad could happen. Well, that's but, an Im- imperfect world. No, no. It's not because if God made a, a world where no bad could happen, he would have made us robots. Why is that perfect? How could you have a perfect world I'm not world saying that robots? is perfect, but I'm saying right. this world isn't no. imperfect. Right. Because there's free will. Right. Okay, so fine. But it, it's not that... you you Leibniz is saying with all the bad stuff in it, it is still the most perfect world that right. could be made. Right. That's all. So I don't know. I am, I am agnostic on the Leibniz belief. I don't know. I don't dismiss it. And I don't know if it's true. But it's very hard, as I said, to to say it's not true, because then you're implying that God deliberately made a, a flawed place. How do this may sound like the most obvious question? How do we know that God has infinite wisdom and that all of this kind of well, of course we don't know. No, we but have, what gives us reason to believe that there's infinite wisdom in? You mean you mean omniscience? No, knows all or no, no, and so that what, then? in that. Evil has a, there's a plan or there's a reason oh, for oh, evil. Oh, I see. How do we know? Okay. Well, it's hard. It's hard to, well, first of all, why would I listen? Why would I obey a God 
who was not all wise. Right. Theoretically, I could be wiser than he. And and then I'll make up my own Ten Commandments. I mean, my theology rests upon God knows what is right. How do we know, though, that it's not, it goes beyond just the outcome of free will and that there is a greater... um, redeeming meaning to evil does that make sense like i yeah it makes sense we don't know i mean that that is what that rabbi that i cited earlier said god god has a has a reason for all the bad that happens okay so i i don't i think back to our analogy you hit by a drunk driver i don't believe god directed the drunk driver into you he knew it would happen that's right. But he didn't do anything. Right. By the way, I'm not sure it. he even knew it would happen. And I don't believe in any compromise on God's omniscience or anything. But my my wrestling text, if you will, is in Genesis. When before God destroys the world, he looks up he looks down upon what men did, and it's and it's an amazing statement. God got sad into his heart. Why would God get sad? If he knew what would happen. I, yes, but I get, I'm going to get sad when my parents die. I know that's going to happen. You're right. That's the answer. <laughs> okay, fair. So uh, anyway, look, I believe God is omniscient, knows everything. Does he know the future? The odds are he does, but I could live with a theology that says that given that God has given us free will, we... He does not know how we will exercise that free will. He knows what my dog will do. My dog doesn't have free will. Uh, however, uh, it, it, I don't. It, it doesn't matter in either direction. What is the difference if God does or doesn't know what I will do? It's, as long as God knows what I do and what I did, that matters to me. So you say, and I and I know it's true because I've I've read your stuff a little bit. Thank God. <laughs> that you uh, reason your way to God. Mm-hmm. So the free will, the existence of free will, and having tragedy and evil be a downside, but con- you know necessary consequence or component of free will, that rationally makes sense to me. What doesn't rationally make sense to me, and I'm not saying I don't believe it, I'm just trying to go with the Prager reason your way to everything is that there's an ultimate redeeming um, aspect to evil. I didn't say there was. Do you think there's not? No, I said my sanity relies upon there being a hereafter, an afterlife where good and evil are worked out. I I don't believe that all evil has a redeeming uh, meaning. If I did, then I would accept it. Why would I be angry? Well, you can. Why, why does why does it say in the Psalms, "Those of you who love God must hate evil"? Why would you hate what God has designed there to be? So, for the for some great redemption. I, I, I and, and by the way, there's, there's there are two aspects. There's human evil, and then there's natural suffering. I mean, is there a redeeming aspect of five year olds have dying of cancer? Well, what many religious people would argue is that not in this life, 
but in some cosmic, okay, divine fine. way I that we don't the, understand. All right, fine. The hereafter is my sanity keeper. But I'm saying, I don't know, maybe we're getting too in the weeds here, but, but what is the rational argument for that? I get the for, rational the argument. The rational argument for what? That they're... In in a divine cosmic way, there is a redeeming aspect oh, the, to the, your suffering. I don't believe there's a redeeming aspect to my suffering. All I believe is that God works out the issue in a hereafter, so that the good who suffered here will will be rewarded, and the, the those the evil who have created suffering will be punished. So, but I. I the i the idea that well you were tortured to death and now you understand why but by the way that might happen now you understand why you were tortured look i don't first of all i i can live with not knowing these answers right they don't they don't keep me up at night well that's also where Evil faith keeps comes in. me up at night because right. i'm so angry at the people who perpetrated but uh, you know, is is there really a redemption in the the poor seventeen year old girl who had her breasts cut off because she said she's a boy, and then at twenty five she goes, "Why don't I have breasts? Why did you take my breasts away?" And I'm I'm purposely using that word because there's no nice word. You got to bleep it. To, to, no, you don't. Oh, it's not one of the seven words. Oh. As far as oh, I good know. To know, so you might have to bleep it. If you bleep it, bleep it. People know what I said. Uh, I, I have no other term for the, the the psychologists, psychiatrists, and and surgeons who do this to girls. Okay, no other word. They're despicable human beings who think they're angelic, which is the most despicable. But most people who do evil think they're terrific. But anyway, so is there a redemption? There's no re- redeeming value. Oh, I wake up at 25 and I, I don't have my vagina and I don't have my uh, I don't have my uterus and I don't have my breasts. Oh, oh wow. That there's a real redemptive thing here. Now, she can make it redemptive. Right. By saying, "Don't do this, girls. You're girls. You you can't be a boy." Like Chloe Cole is doing now. A, a, a fair number are. That's mm-hmm. right. I don't know mm-hmm. that name, but yes. If uh, if I could answer my own question, <laughs> what, what is the rational argument for this redemptive um, possibility? I think that God does show us that, at least in my own life, and a lot I hear a lot of people say this too, that some of the worst things that happened to them ended up being the best things ended up revealing something or teaching them something or putting them on a path right, that I was, agree. but, 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 just as I say, okay, I get the existence of evil, but how, really, why that That's much? That's right. The, like, I can understand how even something really awful happening to me can be redemptive. I don't understand how Jews marching into the gas that's chamber right. in the Holocaust redemptive? is redemptive. Yes, their whole but I think family that's where is faith, in there. But I think that's where faith comes in. Oh, I agree with you. But but it's not redemptive. I mean, whatever that means. It could it, or, be redemptive in an... What did I learn from from getting killed? <laughs> There's no time to learn anything. Redemptive, there, yeah. There, a so lot one could of argue su- in, a, in a, like, cosmic... Again, there, there aren't right. even... There's okay. not even language to describe it. Th- that's, that's why I, I have sort of retired 
from only one thing in life, because I haven't retired from anything. I've retired from looking for the answer to unjust suffering. Interesting. Because I don't, I don't think it's available to us. Here is a great thing to end on. So Rabbi Sachs is a, is a beloved, he, he, he just died a couple of years ago. And he was the uh, he he was a member of the House of Lords and the Chief Rabbi of Britain. He, he was a very special man. There's by the way, there's a YouTube video of the two of us in dialogue. Wow! You'll get a big kick out of it. Out of nowhere, he was diagnosed uh, with cancer a few years ago, and then knew he was dying. And he uh, he addressed this issue, and he said something interesting. God doesn't want us to know the answer to why there is this suffering because if we did, we wouldn't fight it. I have nothing to add that you're right. That was a really good note to end on. I know. I have the chills. God created doubt, as you once said on this broadcast. which I also got from another rabbi. Time to start listening more to the rabbis, I guess. Some. Some, yes. Not the, well, I I don't mean this in a mean way, but I have to say it. Not the one who you debated who said that people are basically good. That was, that was was a little painful, but it was interesting. Thank you all so much for listening. You can reach me and Dennis. I forward the emails to Dennis too at julie at julie-hartman.com. I love and benefit so much from hearing from you. And you can also check out Dennis and Julie clips on my Instagram, which is at Julie R. Hartman. And Dennis and Julie premieres on this channel, the Julie Hartman YouTube channel every Monday. Thank you again. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.